Hello everyone and welcome back to the New Hampshire Business Show. My name is Chris Pastrana and today we're here with Jason Phelps of Ancient Fire Mead and Cider. How you doing? I'm doing fantastic. How are you doing today? I'm doing well. Awesome. So let's get this started. Tell me a little bit about yourself. Absolutely. Um, so I am an ex-software engineer. I did that for about 25 years and mm -hmm. 15 of those years I was a home brewer. So learned how to make my own beer, uh, wine, cider, mead, tried sake I think twice and um, have recently launched Angel Fire Mead and Cider in Manchester. Okay, awesome. So just for those who don't know, where are you guys located? So we're at 8030 South Willow, and that's okay. um, south of the mall. So if people know where Backyard Brewery is, yep. we're about three quarters of a mile north of them if you're headed okay. back towards the mall. We are the hip winery in Manchester that's in an industrial building where, yeah. where all wineries should be, right? Yeah. <laughs> Actually, I've seen a lot of... Uh, like the, the startup breweries end up in like those types of buildings. Yep. <laughs> it's a great building to start in. I mean, yeah. usually they're just a big open box. Yeah. And sometimes they'll have office space out front and just like ours, we did. So you blow that whole entire area out and then turn that into your retail and tasting space and you leave the empty sort of structure out back and then you decide what you need, electrical, plumbing, you know, you spell space to put shelving up, you know, that, that sort of thing. So for us, it, it actually was a really good place. It's got a drive outdoor. So, you know, you have forklift, you're able to, to, you know, unload your own trucks. Ultimately, if I'm making enough product, maybe I'll be able to load a truck with it. I'm not sure <laughs> you know, that we'll, we'll get there. So you, once you move in, you're like, yeah, this is why people move in here because you generally don't have to do as much to create a place for you to get started. And I think unless you have a concept for a tasting room that needs a different type of place, mm -hmm. It's probably a great idea to start in a situation like this because you'll learn what you want if there's yeah. a, a next phase and you have time then to figure out how to do it. And you can yeah. get feedback on it as well. You can try different things. I mean, we could redecorate. I don't know if we'd be able to do it without closing, but we could. We could completely <laughs> redecorate the, the, the tap room. People would be like, wow, this is weird, it, but it's the same physical space. Yeah. Just, you know, change the way it actually looked. So, yeah. But yeah, so, and it's fun because some of them, you know, will have a front drive outdoor yeah and then it turns into a patio you know at that point for people so yeah i mean so you you see it everywhere and it, it's it kind of nod to that you know we need a space where we can make some stuff yeah and have you know a little storefront out front so. i like that that's pretty cool um so let's talk let's get into what you guys do so what is mead mead is fermented honey Okay. So, and that we, we, we try to start that simply with people just because most people have some sense of how beer is made mm -hmm. cider. I think people sort of just think, especially cause people have the experience of like the cider jug actually starting to ferment on its own. If you don't refrigerate it, mm -hmm. you know, people have a sense of how that's done. So we tell people we take honey, dilute it with water and ferment it at that point, it goes off in a thousand different directions yeah. you know we we have some that are fruited some that are spiced some that are hopped um we have one like the one that we were enjoying just a few minutes ago that is just a particular type of honey um and as we were talking you know it's a great educational opportunity for us to share a specific honey with people especially if it's one that we don't necessarily think most people have ever come in contact with yeah we also make cider so we'll get fresh pressed cider from a, a local farm and ferment that and then again do all kinds of different things with it spice it fruit it maybe just lightly sweeten it with some honey mm -hmm. and you know all of that ends up on tap and in a glass or in a growler and we what did i say 12 things yeah we've got 12 yeah. things on tap right now a lot of rotation too so we're constantly making new stuff but we're still in year one so we're doing that on purpose because yeah. we want to kind of roll through the different seasons and try different things and share different ideas so people can understand us a little bit better yeah and we can watch what people really like mm -hmm. and then 
you know, obviously make more of those in that next season next year, but then do other fun stuff as we come yeah. across different ingredients. Yeah, and I, I really like that about small companies because when you look at a big company, so let's just say Budweiser or something, they have a pretty good set of this is what they produce and that's all they ever produce. But when you're small, you can you can play, you can have fun, you can right. try different flavors out and you can have fun. <laughs> yeah, turnaround time for a new idea for us isn't really that long. We have a little bit of administrative stuff that we have to do in order for us to be able to first make something and then actually package it yeah. if it's something new and different. But yeah, being small and nimble, we can come up with an idea and work through the administrative stuff in a matter of a couple of weeks while we're grabbing ingredients and figuring out, you know, exactly how we're going to do that. Yeah, and then you know, when someone calls, for example, and says, hey, I have apples in my backyard or pears or peaches or something. Oh, I hadn't planned on getting more of that or, or any of that this season. But if I can, why not try to use it somewhere, especially when, again, you're still small and your batch size is small. So you don't need a lot of anything sometimes. Yeah. You know, you're talking about dozens of pounds, not thousands of pounds yeah. in some cases, you know, at the scale we're starting at. So. Yeah. It's pretty cool. Um so you said cider now. You uh, is cider typically apples, or is that a whole bunch of other things? Typically, it's apples. Um, you'll also find pear ciders out there. They're okay. also called perry. Um, much more traditional. I'd expect if you traveled to England or other places in Europe, you'll find a lot more of that yeah. than you would even here in New England, where I think it is still relevant because of a long cultural history that comes from you know England and Western yeah. Europe. I happen to like the way pears taste, but you talk to people and you quickly find out that it's a love-hate flavor. Some people just don't <laughs> like the way they taste. And I'm wondering if that's because we all got shoved, you know, pear baby food at us when we were kids or something. And some people just didn't like it. And yeah. some people, you know, either didn't have it or didn't didn't mind it. So. Yeah. So kind of like pineapple on pizza. There's like this weird, you love it, you hate it. Yeah. There's a big fight there. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Should fruit be on pizza? It's like, well, I guess if it tastes good to you, then it makes yeah. sense. But if it doesn't taste good to you, no wonder. You're like, that. I don't even bring that near me. I don't. But And I love it. But you do see people who ask, like, why would you put that on your, I don't know. Because it sounded like a good idea, I guess. Yeah, it's kind of good. I like it, you know. Um, so I guess for people who haven't, been introduced to something like mead before. Um, how is it different than like beer? Yep. So because it's fermented honey, you're starting with a different type of ingredient. And just like with a, a range of beers, you know, if, if you think about co different colored beers, so you've got really, really light beers, you've got sort of tan, amber colored beers, brown beers, black beers. Those are all made from different ingredients. At the core of it, there might be a common one, which is, you know, a, basically your sort of workhorse grain that you get your sugar from. But then you have all these other variations that can provide color and other flavor. Well, honey has some variety to it that tracks that, but people don't typically get exposed to it. So when you ferment the honey, not only do you get that same variation based on the color, but depending on what the honey is actually made from. So when I say made from, the bees actually make it, but it depends on what they're foraging on. So a lot of beekeepers locally here that have backyard apiaries or, or large enough apiaries where they may be moving bees around, it's a lot of wildflower honey. It's a little bit of everything. Yeah. But if you have bees at a fruit farm, you may actually get honey that's very dominated by the type of honey that that particular fruit blossom would create. Yeah. And that's an area where we've been exploring with our patrons, sharing different types of these honeys with them in different forms, some on their own, some fruited and spiced where the, the, the complement of what the honey has to offer and the other fruits or spices that we're doing with it, it you know, makes for an interesting combination where we would do other things with other types of honey. Um, 
then it can be anywhere from almost a light beer all the way to a fairly strong dessert wine. And that's baffling for a lot of people sometimes because hmm. it can be so many different things. Yeah. So we have a lot of folks that come in that know mead because there are other mead producers here in the state of New Hampshire and elsewhere in New England. So they know something about it if they've lived around here long enough. But they come in and they look at ours they're like, why, why are yours all like 7 to 8% and carbonated? Said, well, because that's the style that we wanted to make so that you would be encouraged to come in and sit with your family and friends and, and have some like you would at a brewery. Yeah. And then we have the to-go option for it as well. And once people have them, like, oh, okay, I get this. These are light and refreshing. That's an interesting twist on mead. If you haven't had it before, it can be actually quite surprising yeah. because it's much, much lighter. Stronger, sweeter meads tend to parallel honey in the way okay. that it is thick on the tongue. So those meads, because there's a lot more honey, less of it's fermented out or it's used to sweeten and, and you know add body, add density later. Um, that can be also very surprising to people who've never had one like that before because it can clock in at like 16 or 17% alcohol <laughs> and have this abundant honey flavor and this rich, rich sweetness. And again, it can be like, whoa, that's a lot of honey. Did I just like lick the honeycomb itself? <laughs> so, you know, it, at each end of the spectrum, depending on what you're used to or, yeah. you know, or what your palate tells you after you try them, you know, they can be, you know, s some extremes for sure, but it doesn't have to be anything. And that's... I think one of our great opportunities is, is that we don't actually have a lot of rules mm -hmm. about how to make it like there may be, you know, in traditional beer making, wine making, certain types of grapes, certain types of ingredients, yeah. certain types of allowable process. And I think that's good because it helped develop the these things culturally where mead doesn't have as many rules that have been yeah. widely recognized so we can always try something different and most people are like oh yeah leave it to the mead guys to do something weird because we just we don't feel like we're bound by all kinds of other you know rules that might show up for other beverages yeah and like i was just thinking about what you said about um the different types of bees like it would almost be tricky to get consistency out of that too because unless you can get a you know like a farmer who knows exactly what type of honey he's producing, like you could get something next year and have it taste completely different. Yep. <laughs> and that is actually one of the real challenges what we have, which actually brings it back to the agricultural model. It's a lot more like winemaking in that respect than people might imagine. Yeah. However, I am actually able to source honeys from some companies who maintain an ability to source that variety at enough of a quantity on an annual basis that they do actually, um, package it up in a way that it is pretty consistent okay if you then start working with individual local beekeepers for certain varieties as well yeah you'll have a lot of variation their honey varies between the spring and the fall here in new england typically when they pull you know honey out of their hives so they get a light honey in the spring and a darker honey in the fall and that the depth of that color and the flavor is all going to depend really on the weather yeah so it is it is an interesting game but that also gives you the ability to to highlight that difference, much like they do in wine. Yeah. Varietal wines from certain places or blends from certain places have a tradition to them. And they don't always come out exactly the same. And people sort of anticipate that you yeah. know, with, with the vintage, with the annual change. Yeah, and I've seen that a few times, even just doing movies and stuff where someone's like, oh, that year of this particular mm -hmm. brand was really good so there yeah I, I can get that and and i don't think i don't think i'm there yet and i and 
I would say there probably are some folks in the meat industry who probably have enough enough information, have worked with enough honeys from enough sources where they may be able to, to put together a more intelligent description of the types of, of um, expectations and standards that people could have for that type of thing. Yeah. But I can certainly tell you that we see the variety. We absolutely do. You know, we've, but we've also embraced that because with the local wildflower honeys, we actually don't intend to make the same product with them every time. Yeah. We've, we just make that sort of the wild card that we can have with it. <laughs> yeah. Um, and the more local they are and the more varied they are, the more interesting it is to, to bring that type of stuff out to customers because you, you never really know until you bring the honey in house exactly which flowers might be dominant in it. Yeah. And we got one the other day. I actually pulled some lavender out of it. I thought it was really neat. Like if that sticks through the fermentation, it might actually be nice to have that kind of hanging around in the background and add other ingredients that lavender yeah. would be a compliment for. And hmm. I didn't, I didn't have to do anything but find the right honey. Yeah, that's really cool. <laughs> like I love this whole. So that's why I like small companies compared to a lot of bigger ones because everything just it can change on a dime. It's really cool. Yeah. yeah. So I guess moving forward, where would you look? I mean, to be taking everything because you said this is your first year. Yeah, we've only been open. Uh, what's today? October first. Yeah. Seven months today. Okay. So you know, it's it's a two year project before that to to plan pre yeah. pre opening. So it does feel like a lot longer than seven yeah. months to my wife and I. But yeah, seven months with the door open. Um, so, I mean, some of our broad goals, which we would say we've already been successful at, but certainly are, are driving forces for us, we want to help people see meat as an option for casual beverage consumption, yeah. much like they view beer, cider, wine, you know, establish it the same way that there's a format for it that you can find, you know, by the glass, you, you, you know, you find it on draft in some places, you find, you know, bottles, help them better understand that so that when they're looking at, hey, I want to go out and get a drink tonight, where should we go? Oh, let's go to Ancient Fire or let's go to the next unnamed new place that has mead or cider. Yeah. Just because people recognize it. Oh, yeah, that's right. They have ones where you can sit and have a glass of it or a flight for that matter. I mean, we have so many people that come into our place and ask us, why didn't you do this sooner? Like being able to do flights of something other than beer because I don't drink beer is really awesome. Yeah, It, it ends up being an activity and a form of entertainment for people that yeah. I feel like I was introduced to that idea of it a long time ago, but I actually didn't understand it well enough when I was initially putting my business plan together yeah. to really understand it the way I do now because I'm not technically in the booze business. Yeah. I'm in the entertainment business. The mm -hmm. booze is, is one piece of it. Yeah. The other piece of it is a place and then the people, you know, us and all of the people that we're attracting that come in and because we all have to hang out together on Thursdays, yeah. Fridays, and Saturdays. So it's like a little club. Yeah. You know, and, and the door's open. It's, everyone's welcome to join the club and maybe Thursday night's your night and you see some of the same people on Thursday nights at our place. They see each other the same way too and like this is just a cool place to come hang out. Yeah. Um, so we want to just continue to do more of that. Put the beverage in places where people can get it other than an ancient fire. We're yeah. only open three days a week. Yeah. We're not probably going to be open more than three days a week. We may be open longer hours on those three days a week as we grow. Mm -hmm. But, you know, because it's still a small company and we have a lot of production and non-tasting room work that's happening at the same time, yeah. you know, we have to be careful about double it up on that because you've got to have that much more staff because I work yeah. out front on those days. Yeah. As soon as I'm out back, then somebody's got to swap in for me. And a lot of small businesses, you got to be careful about that because part of the reason why people are coming and checking you out is the people behind it. 
you know they want to they want to yeah. be able to know you and and see you in action and, and be able to say hey yeah i was there remember that you know was that, that was the first year they were open and it was just so cool because every single you know week you know jason's talking about new stuff that he's doing and you know they went and got this fruit or that fruit or they just ordered these spices or something like that and and you know you're you're making them part of the story yeah because you're there as you're getting excited about all the things that you haven't done yet yeah. So, but we have to bring it elsewhere. We've got to take it to restaurants. So we're, we're on tap at a few places or have been, mm-hmm. um, and we're looking, you know, for new tap accounts, but we also have to balance that with our ability to grow. Yeah. And as the tap room grows, that puts stress on production. So we've been ramping up <laughs> and we're, we're about ready to get into a place where we should have a little bit more consistency. So I should be able to, to, to establish some more wholesale accounts and know yeah. that nobody's going to call and, and really crush us for being able to deliver something to them and keep product on yeah exactly. you know at our place as well um mm. more bottle offerings so we've bottled four different products we're almost sold out on them at our place and most of the shops that we've been in That's pretty cool. and yeah and now it's you know finding the time as we're trying to grow to keep the tap full and keep the keg accounts full to bottle again and then we have a new product line that we're going to be we've slowly been debuting um and that'll head into bottles as well so it's more of all of those things and then finish the seasonal rotation I mean, next March and April is going to be really exciting because we'll come to the end of the winter and the early yeah. spring having started there and, you know, be able to be excited and be a bit ahead of it because we can think about summer now in the middle of winter time because we've been through one. Yeah. What was the timing for all the things that we wanted to do and maybe didn't get to because it came on so fast this year. Yeah. You know, so yeah, right as you were starting. Oh just, yeah. We were buried in all the things we were doing. <laughs> like, I'm thinking about getting strawberries, and I'm realizing i got to do that next week. Like, I've got to call and say, where can I get them? And i got to get them in, like, six days. You know, and because the season was almost over. You yeah. know, that kind of stuff. It creeps up on you fast. So we ex- we're excited to be able to plan it a little bit better. Yeah. You also plan the scale, then. You can take a look at it like, okay, if I really want to double down on mm-hmm. something that was really successful last year, what do I got to do? When do I got to do it? Yeah. You know, how do I got to be ready for it? So it's a, it's a lot of more of everything, but <laughs> everything also has that excitement of that variation. Yeah. New things are just going to continue to be happening. We have a coming soon list on our menu that we put out in front of everybody. Not everything's even on it. Yeah. I don't have enough page space. <laughs> and we, you know, we've got them in the queue. We know what they're going to be. And, yeah. you know, that's just really exciting to, yeah. to know that we're, we're far enough out conceptually <laughs> that we can talk about, hey, this is what we're going to release right before Christmas, not December 1st going, yeah, we're releasing that next week. <laughs> yeah, just because it just finally, you know, it came together just right then. So, because yeah. that's what January and February were like last year. It's yeah. like, go, 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 <laughs> get this stuff ready, you know, get, get stuff up on the board, get the doors open and, and, start getting feedback and kind of fixing any of the little issues so yeah pretty cool now you mentioned you have a like a storefront where people can taste and all stuff do you guys serve food as well we do yep so and we're actually rotating um the sandwich on our food menu okay. um this week um we've got um we'll also have two hot offerings so a, a turkey chili and a, a mac and cheese both of them from panera oh. and then um we make a cheese spread in-house so that comes with um crackers um we have gluten-free stuff that's another thing that people do ask us about. Our beverages are gluten-free, and we do have some gluten-free food options so that hopefully everybody who comes in should be able to <laughs> to enjoy um, chips and several types of dip, I know, a meat and cheese plate. Um, so we vary some of it seasonally um, because it's just fun. Like the sandwiches, I was thinking like a 
Thanksgiving sandwich. You know, you put turkey and stuffing and cranberry sauce and stuff on it. But I didn't want to do one of those because I just felt like maybe it wasn't exactly the right time in the season. But we're doing sliced roasted chicken, goat cheese, greens, and a cinnamon pear jam on whole wheat bread. That's pretty good. So to me, it sounds like a good fall sandwich. It's not outright like, ooh, look, it's already Thanksgiving. Let's eat turkey <laughs> sandwiches. But it's something that, you know, you're, it's a little heartier for the cooler weather. We're just rolling off of uh, like a pulled pork slider. Yeah, that had crispy fried pickles on the top of it. Yeah, that's a summer sandwich. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? That I, I mean, I might eat that now, but I wouldn't. You know, I wouldn't necessarily expect most people to. So it'll be fun to rotate. You know that. And our most popular things are things like pretzels and honey mustard, chips yeah. and dip, the cheese plate, um, the cheese and meat plate, the cheese and crackers. It's just great snacks. It goes with, you know, yeah. a fun beverage and and sitting and hanging out with your friends. Yeah. So. I went. Over, I've been over to Pipe Dream. Yep, I think Pipe Dream is the other one. Yep, a couple miles from us. Yeah, that's why it has, it has that same similar feel to it as far as you know industrial space and stuff. Um, I don't know where I was going with that. Oh, they have like pizza and stuff like that. Yep. Are you guys looking to expand your restaurant portion kind of as well, or do you? Because I guess that creates its own sense of problems. It does. It, it's almost <laughs> like running a couple different businesses. Yeah. Right now, we haven't really kind of walled those businesses off from each other in the way that we're like strictly looking at each separately to kind of fuel its own profit. The restaurant side is is profitable in the sense that we're making enough money to cover the cost for the food. We're really yeah. not making any money on it. So that's an area where we do want to strengthen that up a little bit. But it's still taking some time for us to observe, like, what do people want? Yeah. We do want to make some changes to the kitchen, um, stuff that we, you know, know that we can do without having to, you know, re- have license and facilities re-reviewed by, you know, the health department. And then some things that we may need to approach them about and saying, okay, how do we do this? What's the total requirement that you'd have for us to be able to put in, which would enhance our capabilities to do that? So yeah. I think that that's something that also might coincide with as we hire some staff and, yeah. and expand some hours as well um, you know more of that because you would expect people to more people to be there over you know a, a slightly longer period of the day so you'd think some people would be like well you can actually go and get like a meal right and with a sandwich and chips right now you're sort of teetering on yes it's it's fast food yeah <laughs> um, you know versus you know other types of options that we could have that would yeah. be more you know more meal like so yeah but lo- lots of lots of potential with that in the future for sure yeah definitely so you you'd mentioned it a couple of times i just forgot to ask the first time um you'd mentioned you're only open thursday friday saturday yep and what are your hours so right now thursday friday is four to eight and okay. saturday is 11 to seven okay cool that's a good weekend. Yeah, it is. And, it, and, it, and again, it parallels a lot of the craft breweries. I mean, if anybody looked at our situation, you walk in our front door, you see taps on the wall. You know, you're like, okay, th- these guys are, are looking for the, the craft brewery tap room experience. Mm-hmm. And we very much are. And and not as a, a specific counterpoint to anything that's wrong with any other type of, of tasting room experience, technically or winery. So a lot of people might immediately think oh okay well that's winery tasting room that has a certain profile to typically how it works we've looked at a hybrid of that you know it it, we we want people to come and sit and spend time with us we think that the opportunity to educate is part of that but i also think as i said it's an activity people are looking for something to do Mm -hmm. so if you give them a place where they can sit for a while they've got the food option they've got lots of of options up on the board you know someone could sit and do two flights and still go only through 
two thirds of what we have to offer. <laughs> Booty flights, yeah. Yeah. So I mean, that's the thing. So you you know you can you can certainly spend some time to be able to do that as an activity, and and then you know you you know you have that. Ooh, I've 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 tried almost everything. I'll have to come back next week and try everything else. And then of course there'll be something new on the menu. You're like, where did that come from? And um, so I think you know we we have that, and for for us that was the right experience to have. You know, and as a winery, you find many different experiences. I've been to some urban wineries that have exactly that same type of feel. There's a food truck outside, yeah. and there's tables, and people are, are are drinking, you know, wine by the glass, and then you ask to, for some to go, and you get a reclosable swing-top wine-sized bottle filled right off of a tap of, you know, the 2016, you know, Sonoma Pinot. That's cool. I just think that's a neat way to, to make yeah. it. Make it something that everybody can really just completely understand and embrace if, if that's their thing. And, and the beverage has to be your thing, but being able to make it sort of casual in that yeah. very straightforward way, people dig it. They look at our menu, they're like, all right, yeah, I'll do a flight. And like, all right, I got to order four different things. And it's right in front of you. If you're sitting at the bar, it's right in front of you up here or it's on a, you know, a piece of paper. Not asking for people to wade through tons of tasting notes to try to understand our beverages. People ask what they're supposed to taste like. Um, a lot of times we'll say, hey, most of the honeys that we use are actually on a honey tasting bar. Go over and try orange blossom and blueberry. That's the honey and the two things that you were just asking about. And you do that and you come back and like, okay, now I understand why they're supposed to taste that way. <laughs> so it's just, you know, it ends up being this really kind of cool, like, I didn't realize I was going to learn about honey on top of coming <laughs> in and sitting down and, and just enjoying some time. Yeah. Like it. Awesome. So people that want to learn more and get in touch with you, how do they reach out? Um, so best way to find us would be our Facebook page. You know, we are active on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, but Facebook is where we'll typically update, like tap lists, that sort of thing. Um, we do have a website, um, ancientfiremeads.com. Uh, we do have educational sections, so we teach a little bit about the different styles of things that we do. Uh, for homebrewers out there, there is actually some subsections on our website that will show you some basic process and lots of links about where to get more information, um, yeah. you know, for that. And then um, find us out in public as well. Um, most of the local, so local to Manchester, within ten or twenty miles of uh, craft bottle shops, a lot of them have had or do have our product. And then look for us in restaurants. You know, we're looking to get up onto Elm Street. Um, we're at Boards and Brews already, and we're looking to get into the Thirsty Moose, maybe even Portland Pie across the street. So look for an Ancient Fire Tap handle out at your favorite place and ask them what they have on tap. Awesome, like it. Thank you so much for joining me. This Thank you very fun. much. And thank you for the, the taste. You're most welcome. <laughs> thank you guys so much for watching. That is it for today. So everyone be good and go drink responsibly.